Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. So as you're standing, Matthew chapter 28, I want to read one verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to read verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, the Bible says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And I just want to uh, preach to you for the next few moments from this title, His Power his authority, his power, his authority. Amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Great looking crowd in here this morning. So glad to have each and every one of you here. <clears throat> so I, I, I know that uh, I, sent an, I sent an email out to a, uh, to a gentleman, uh, a prospect customer of mine, and um, it was a global market update that I had sent to him. And it's just a, it's a short little document that just kind of highlights what's going on in the market globally. And um, it's an interesting read. I mean, a lot of boring information, unless you're really interested in what the price of steel is doing these days or anything like that. Um, and looking at CRU indexes and different things. If you'd like a copy, I can send you one, but it's really boring stuff. But um, he responded and he, he, he said, it is definitely very interesting times that we are living in. And when you look at a, not just a market update, but a global update of our world, we definitely are living in some very interesting times. I remember saying in another message uh, uh, a few months back that uh, we have never been this far before. Nobody has ever been this far before in 2022. It's never happened. Nobody has ever been to April 4th. Two th- we, we've never been this far before. And so we do live in some very interesting times and uh, a, lot of time, a lot of uncertainty. You are well uh, aware of that. This is nothing new. But I will say that I am thankful to be a part of the greatest country in the world. I am thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America. Do we have our flaws? Absolutely. Are we perfect? Not even close. Uh, We're not even close to perfection. There are, and if if the last couple of years has done anything, it has highlighted that fact that there's a lot of work to still be done, but I still do believe that we live in a great country. And one of the key things that makes us a great country is that we are a nation of law and order. Amen. We are a nation of law and we are a nation of order. And uh, 
it's interesting because, you know, as each generation comes and goes, there are a lot of things that we learn from that generation. There are a lot of things that happen that teach us. I always talk about and laugh about the, um, the safety uh, features and, and the safety rules that they have now for people on the job site. They have those because somebody in the previous generation taught them that, that, hey, you, you shouldn't really climb up that high without being tethered off, right? Probably because somebody fell or nowadays they have it where you have to tether your tools off and stuff like that if you're up so high because why? Because somebody in New York City caught a wrench on the top of their head. You think, oh, that's no big deal. What, from 30 stories up, that's a giant deal. And so we learn from the previous generations. And what one thing that's funny is that maybe some of the old laws that were in place uh, 50, 75 years ago. And so uh, there's been some tweaking, but I, I ran across some, some uh, laws that ex- still exist today in our country. And I have to admit, some of them kind of make me wonder. Uh, I'll just, for instance, in South Dakota, it's illegal to sleep inside of a cheese factory. Right? Yeah. It's illegal. You can't do that. You can't sleep inside the cheese factory. Outside the cheese factory, perfectly legal. But inside the cheese factory, you're not allowed to sleep in there. It's against the law. In North Dakota, it is illegal to lie down and fall asleep with shoes on. Illegal. It's against the law. In New Jersey, it is illegal for a man to knit during fishing season. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I'm just wondering. So is knitting a big deal outside of fishing season? Like maybe knitting is such a popular thing over there. In Iowa, a one-armed piano player must, by law, perform for free. Folks, it's okay to laugh, all right, just a little bit this morning. That is the law in Iowa. And in Georgia, it is illegal to keep an ice cream cone in your back pocket on Sundays. On Sundays. Maybe because you're in your Sunday best or something. I don't really quite get it. But on the other days, it's perfectly legal. But on Sundays, you cannot put the ice cream cone. So if you're traveling to Florida this summer, please keep that in mind. Uh, But we are a country of law and order. Let me ask you, if you could could make up a law this morning, like if we we just had a city council meeting, and we said, hey, you know what? We're going to pick 10 people out here, and you could create one law. You could come up with one law. What new law would you come up with? Just think to yourselves, like, what law would I make up? And I could see kind of parents getting like, oh, yes. Like, I'm going to make it illegal for my children to to not make their bed, or I'm going to make it illegal for them to uh, have their toy room and not picked up. I'm going to make that illegal. I, I tell you what, right now, I would make it state law that people absolutely know what they want when they go through a drive-through. State law. You're not going through the drive-through to look at the menu. You're going through the drive-through because you know what you want. I'll die on this hill. I will. I will. It's like, what are you doing up there? Let's move it on. I only got 45 minutes for this lunch. State law. I'm sure that we could all think of something 
that would be cool to make up as a as a law. But in all seriousness, here's what it boils down to. Guess what? If 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 you're like, oh, I'm gonna create a law, I'm gonna make up a law, and, and guess what? It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if you got out your notepad this afternoon and you wrote out 10 laws, 10 laws that I believe should be state law right now. It wouldn't matter because there is one thing that you need in order to do that. One thing that you need in order to make a law, and that is authority. You need authority. Absolutely. If we just decided to make our own law, it would be useless because we have no authority. We have no authority. In the, in the book of Ephesians, it's become a, fa- a favorite portion of Scripture from, uh, from me personally, where Paul writes, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? The scripture says, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know. You see, when it comes to the things of God, a lot of times we may know the truth, but we don't always feel it. We may We may know that God has a plan for our life, but we don't always feel like he's got a plan for our life. And and, and we may easily get into a situation where we trade the, the great things that God has for us in the long run for the small things in the here and now. Because we don't feel like God is working on our That's something that Esau wound up doing in the book of Genesis when he traded his birthright. For, his, his, for a bowl of lentils, for a bowl of beans. That's why it is so important for us that we pray that God will do what? That God will open the eyes of our hearts to see that he has a plan, to see that he has a calling, to see what he has as an inheritance. And so we don't just talk about it, but we live like it and we prepare for it. No matter how old or how young you are, it doesn't matter. God still has expectations for your life, my friend. He still wants to use you in great ways, but your eyes have to be open. Your eyes have to be open in order to see that. And so this morning, looking at the, the, in, in Ephesians, it goes on to talk about how God has a glorious inheritance for those that have made a commitment to be a part of the body of Christ and to walk in relationship with God and the people of God. You see, this God that we serve is all about relationships. Everybody say relationships. Relationships. Jesus said in Luke 19 that his purpose was to seek and to save the lost. And if we are going to be called Christians, then that has to be our goal. But the awesome thing is that God doesn't just want us to focus on the relationships with those that are far from God. No, no, no. He also wants to focus on the relationships with the people of God. What's the Bible say? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. Let us 
look toward the day. Let us consider what, Bryce, how to stir up one another. How can we stir up one another to love and and good works and, and be encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near? The Bible lets us know, first we connect to God, but as we connect to God, we must reach out and connect to the church. We must connect with our brothers and our sisters, and hey, let them know, you're not in this fight alone. We stand together as one body. We stand together in unity. First we connect to God, and as we connect to him, we reach out and we connect to his body. And Friend, that's just awesomeness wrapped up in a warm blanket, if you ask me. There is such safety when you decide to become a part of the church, a part of a church that will stir one another up to love and to good deeds, a a part of a body that will serve one another selflessly, a part of a body that will pray for one another and share in your joys and bear each other burdens. There is such safety and being in the church, and being a part of the church. And you, you would think that if, if we have both of those parts down, that we are, that God has called us, and we have answered that call, God, I'm ready to fulfill the expectation that you have on my life. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. I'm ready. God, I understand that you have a plan for me. And and, and if we get these parts down, my relationship with him is good. And my relationship with the church is is good. With the church family is, is good. And we're encouraging one another. And we're loving one another. And we're praying for one another and rejoicing together. You would think that if we have that part down, that we'd be ready to go and to do whatever God has called us to do. But the awesome part is that that is just the beginning. We still haven't even talked about the best. And here it is, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. Everybody say no. No. What is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might and understanding far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things, everybody say all things, all things under his feet and given us or given him as head over all things to the church. Friend, the best part about all of this is that the one who has called us, the one who has great expectations for our lives, the one who has challenged us to go forth, he is the one and only one in the entire universe that has all authority over everything in the entire universe. Paul said the greatness of his power is immeasurable toward us who believe. How many believe this morning? Come on, how many believe this morning? The greatness of his power is immeasurable toward us who believe. What did the book of Acts tell us? And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can you see 
why Paul prayed that our hearts would be open to see the heart of the matter. Can you see why he prayed that our eyes would be open to this and that we would have understanding? What's amazing to me is that we talk about how great and awesome God is. We get together and we sing about it and we testify about it and we preach about it. But sometimes we question whether or not he can use us. It's amazing. God calls us. We hear the call. We know God's great. We know God's awesome. We know he's wonderful. And yet we hear the call and we think, God can't use me. Oh, he's mighty. Yes, he's all powerful. He's amazing, but he can't use me. I think a lot about Moses when I think about this. This is what, this is what Exodus lets us know. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. It's easy and it's natural to forget that we are that we are serving God. It's easy and it's natural to forget who it is that we are following and who it is that we are serving. It's easy and natural. You know how I know it's easy and natural because the people in the Bible did it. They forgot who they were serving. Moses certainly did. Moses certainly forgot who it was. And God called them And he used those people anyways. When God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, he asked him to go speak to Pharaoh. Now think about this. God appeared in the middle of a wilderness in a burning bush. A a bush was on fire. And it talks to Moses. God also gives Moses signs like his staff turning into a snake and his hand withering away and then being healed. And after all that Moses sees and experiences, you know what his response is? But, but bro, I stutter. That, like, like, I, I like, yeah, that's, that snake thing was cool, but uh, I, I stutter. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Do you know who it is that you're talking to? Do you understand who it is that you're, that you're trying to call? Now, before we throw stones at Moses, before we start, like, oh, polishing our halo up here, like, I can't believe he would ever do that, we do the same thing. We need to realize we do the same thing. We know that God, we know what God has done in our life. Anybody got a testimony of what the Lord has done? We, we know what he's done in our life. We, we know that he has power. We've seen him work in, in, in people right next to us. We know how God has miraculously filled us with his spirit. We have felt his power in prayer. And some of us can even tell how God has healed our bodies physically. And he says, hey, I need you to go and I need you to witness to that coworker. Or I need you to witness to that lady over there. And we stop and say, not me. Not me. You're you're not talking to me. You've got the wrong person. 
You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong lady. I can't do that. I'm not a preacher. I I don't know what to say. I'm not eloquent. Pretty dumb, right, when we paint it like that? Why? Because we serve a God who is all-powerful. We serve a God who has all authority. And that's the one who's calling you. That's the one who's speaking to you. And you need to understand that right now, that it is his power and that it is his authority. It's not our strength. It's not our power. It's his. What is so awesome is that when Moses did obey and he led the children of Israel out of Egyptian slavery, God did a mighty act that relates to you and I today. We've all heard the story of the Red Sea and the Israelites crossing over on dry ground, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you can find something really powerful. You see, when Moses told the people that God would deliver them, he said it this way. And Moses, Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, everybody say see, see, the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. Now, we know that was because they all drowned in the sea, right? You're, not, you're like, nothing magical there, Bryce. I, I, I got you. But like I said, you got to dig a little bit deeper. When Moses said the word see, when he said the word see, it meant more to the Israelites. In their language, when they used the word see, it also meant to be afraid. It really makes sense when you really think about it because when you see something that is scary, you get what, right? Scared, right? You're like, whoa, mind blown, Bryce. Had no idea. Okay, maybe you're still not impressed. (laughs) They didn't have to be afraid. Bryce, we get it. They didn't have to be afraid of the guys that were about to be fish bait. Okay, we get that. Here's the cool part. When you do a word study, you also look at where else in the Bible was that same word used. And it's found in Zephaniah chapter 3 where it says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, and you shall never again fear evil. That second to last word is the same word that Moses used while talking about the Egyptians that were about ready to be at the bottom of the sea. God said, rejoice, sing, get excited because we don't have to see or fear evil again. Why? Because he's taking it away. The judgment's against us and he is in our midst. Friend, this is an Old Testament prophecy about the plan of salvation when our judgments have been washed away in baptism in his name and the king is in our midst because we have been filled with his spirit we don't have to be afraid any longer why because the king has dominion Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands like you believe it this morning and understand what he did for you you have crossed a bloodline 
you crossed the bloodline in waters of baptism. And when you crossed over that bloodline, guess what? You're in a new jurisdiction. You're not in the jurisdiction of the enemy anymore. Everybody understand jurisdiction? You go and you break the law and you're speeding and all of a sudden the cop catches you and you know how they do. They hide and stuff like that, especially in Tennessee. Be careful when you're driving through Tennessee. Those guys are master ninjas at it. They're just hiding along the interstate. I don't know how they do it. But anyways, they and what happens is they begin to pursue you. And if you drive like Brother Graham, you're going to run from the cop. No, I'm just kidding. Like, but once you cross over a state line, guess what he's got to do? He's got to radio his other people. He's got to radio over to the next state police because why? He's out of his jurisdiction. Do we understand this morning what happens when we are baptized in Jesus' name? We cross over a bloodline. I'm no longer in the jurisdiction of the, of the devil anymore. I'm now in a new country. I'm a citizen of a new place and where Jesus is my king. I want you to hear it this morning. Understand. Where you stand, the power that's in his blood, in the spirit world, that's what happens when you are baptized in Jesus' name. You cross over the bloodline. You cross over the bloodline. You're now out of the devil's jurisdiction. The Bible says it this way. We pass from death unto life. We pass from darkness into light. All things are passed away and all things that become new. Yes, I sing. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Why? Because I've got his blood applied to my life. His name is upon my life. And the enemy no longer has power over me. He no longer has power to detain me, to deter me, to stop me, to imprison me, to suspend my privileges. No, I'm now under a new jurisdiction. I'm under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. I am a citizen of a new country where Jesus is my king. And guess what? That king has all power. He has all authority over everything. I think one of the problems is we, we don't quite realize that when you say everything, Bryce, everything, 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 he has power over everything. Everything is under God's control. You see, our minds are geared to the fact that if, if we're not, if we don't got the steering wheel, then it's not good. If we're not the ones in control, then that's a bad thing. Look in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, we find an awesome conversation between Daniel and an angel. This is what the Bible says. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, oh man, greatly love, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. What's going on here? Daniel was praying for three weeks. 
before this angel came to him. And the angel says, I would have been here sooner, except I was fighting a demon, the prince of Persia. But here's the amazing part. After that, the angel tells Daniel, I've got to go. Why? Because the prince of Greece, another demon, is going to come and fight us as well. This angel knew what was going to happen. This angel knew what the enemy's plan was. I'm trying to tell somebody here today that the enemy cannot do anything without God knowing it and letting it happen. I mean, we all remember the story of Job, right? The devil had to ask, devil had to ask God before he could even touch the things that belonged to Job, and God even gave him limits. Then the devil comes back, and God says, okay, you can go this far, but no further. You can go this far, but you can't go any further. Friend, there is no power on earth but God's power and the power that he allows. I'm trying to press into your mind this morning that he has all power, that he has all authority, and it is his power and it is his authority. Why, Christ? Because I believe that God is gearing up his bride, is gearing up this body in time for the end time harvest. I believe that God is calling us to step out and take a step of faith and prepare ourselves for what is to come. What's to come? A harvest is to come. A harvest like we've never seen before. And so God is calling upon his followers to step out and do some pretty big things. When we talk about God, doing big things, we almost can't ignore David. This guy made some really big mistakes, but but that was all right because God still used him and God still called him a man after his own heart. Probably the most popular story is the story of David and Goliath. And I'm not going to go over it all, but there is one really key part that David knew that sometimes we, we all forget. When we read about the story in 1 Samuel 17, we see that David's first response was this. When he hears about what's going on and, and what's taking place and, 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 and this guy who's out there and, and, and defying the, the Israelites and, and he finds out about it and, he, and this is what he says, who is this guy who has no relationship with God? Who is this guy that thinks he can defy God. David knew that God had made a covenant with his chosen people. Genesis 17, where God makes a covenant with Abraham. David knew that God had made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham had made a promise to God. That was a promise that God had kept since that time. And while Abraham and his children had made many mistakes, David knew that he had tried to follow his part of the deal. But more importantly, God was going to follow his part of the deal. David knew and understood, I'm in covenant relationship with God. And guess what? This giant, he's not. This enemy, 
he's not. And it was at that point that it didn't matter how big the giant was. It didn't matter how scary his voice was and how frightening the situation appeared. David knew that victory was ultimately his. Why? Because the one who called David, the one who spoke to David, the one who David was in covenant with was the one who has all power, was the one who has all authority. You need to understand today the God you serve, the God that is calling you, the God that is calling this church, he has all power to back you up. He has given you authority to walk and tread upon serpents says, you ought not be afraid. This fear of the end time baffles me. It baffles me how fearful Christians can be of the day and hour that we live in. What is it? Have we forgotten who we're following? Have we forgotten who it is that we're serving? Have we forgotten the reason that we gather together? Have we forgotten the one who we worship to, the one who we pray to? Have we forgotten that it is his power? It is his authority. Us by ourselves can't get the job done, but us and Jesus. It's amazing. Paul understood it, and that's why he said, if God be for me, then who could be against me? Some of you need to have that kind of mindset in the day that we live in. If God is for me, who can be against me? Who can rise up against me? David understood it long before Paul penned it. If God be for us, who can be? David knew it. David understood. And then we arrive back to our text as our music would come. In the book of Matthew, we read what is called by many people the Great Commission. Just before Jesus' glorified body was going to be raised into heaven, he told his disciples, Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, we know that when Jesus commanded this, he wanted us to baptize people in the name of Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know that they're not names, they're titles. But Jesus is a name, and it is the only name that saves. We could, we could get all wrapped up in that, but think about how serious this was. Jesus had just been a few years with his disciples, and while he sent them out on, he sent them out one time on one short mission. And they, they hadn't really been away for too long, and Jesus was telling them to do something huge. Not only did they need to go to all the nations everywhere, but they also needed to make disciples. Hopefully you're getting the idea by now. Huge task really don't matter when you are called and anointed by God. 
the size of the job, it, it doesn't matter. The calling, what you're being asked to do, how big, how gigantic it seems, it doesn't matter when you are called and anointed by God. And the beautiful thing is that the scripture actually reminds us of that if we read it. Jesus came to them and he said, all power, which is to say all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Before Jesus commanded them to do this almost impossible task, he reminded them, all authority is given to me. I say what goes, period. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm going with you. <laughs> you know, I think the greatest leaders and the greatest managers and supervisors and all that, they're the ones who lead by example. not go and do and I'm, a, I'm above that. I'm beyond that. No, they're the ones who get out there with you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to take by the hand. I'm going to show you. I'm there for you. I got, I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> we know that Jesus kept his promise of being with us, which he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost like he still does today. He's with us. And guess what? He's enough. He's enough. Stand with me, if you will. It's one of my favorite promises in the Bible. Lo, I am with you always. Would you say that word always with me? Always. Lo, I am with you always. Folks, I'm just here as a reminder this morning to someone who knows that they have a call in their life but are captured right now by fear. Fear of being alone. Fear of being rejected. Fear of stepping out. Feeling unqualified. Feeling like they don't add up. Like they don't have what it takes. Feeling like you don't bring enough to the table feeling like where who it is that you are and where it is that you come from doesn't quite line up with somebody that God calls. I'm here to preach to you the greatness of our God. Paul said his greatness is immeasurable. And the one who is calling you has all power.
He has all authority. And he doesn't just send you out alone. He goes with you. I am with you always. Hey, on your good days, he's with you. And on your bad days, he's with you. When you step out in faith, guess what? He's with you. When you decide, I'm going to witness, he's with you. When you stand for truth and righteousness, he's with you. When you get the call you didn't want, the report you didn't want, he's right there. It's time to stop being afraid. It's time to stop being fearful. God wants to use you. He's got great expectation for your life. He's got a ministry for you, and you don't have to be fearful about it. Why? Because he comes with the deal. You bow your head in this place and close your eyes with me. I say like Paul said, oh, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. I pray right now, would you lift up your voice and pray? If you want to come and stand at an altar, if you want to pray at your seat, whatever you feel necessary to do, I'm just asking you right now, would you pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened? Come on, would you pray? God, open up the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open up. Help me to see, God. Help me to understand that there's a calling on my life, God. Help me to understand that we're surrounded by a great body of believers, God. Help me to see and know the greatness of your power toward us who believe, God. Help me to know that it's immeasurable. God, help me to know that it's your power. It's your authority. God, help me to know and understand that you put all things under your feet. It's not our power that we're relying on. It's not our authority, God, that it's your authority that we're stepping in. It's your power and authority that we're walking in. Come on, what's God asking you to do? What's God calling you to do? What's God asking of you? Come on, I believe there's great expectation for your life. Just know and understand it's his power. It's his authority that goes with you. It's him that's there with you. Come on, lift up your voice right now as the music begins. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.